On the Lollygaggers podcast, we'd like to ask tough questions. Why did the T-Rex stop being a scary monster and become a guardian angel? This episode, Justin also spoils Batman 49 and loves Spencer and Locke, while Jeff plays Chikarian and gets a break from the DM chair. Both Lollygaggers then break down Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and end with a gentleman's challenge. All right, welcome to episode number 14 of the Lollygaggers podcast, geek show about all sorts of different stuff, games and movies, film, TV, etc. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm one of Justin. It's really been 14. Uh, yeah, we're on 14. Oh my god. How have yep. you not fought me yet? Uh, because we live on opposite sides of the country. Uh, okay, that's why. How have right. you not demanded that we stop yet? Uh, the thought has crossed my mind. That uh, makes sense. About, about six or seven times per week. So, yeah. Oh, well, it makes sense. I, I don't. I don't blame you. So yeah. Right. It's a good thing we record on Saturdays. Like if we recorded uh, on like a Thursday or a Friday, we probably uh, it probably would. It'd be last. fresh in your mind how much you hate me, and you're like, I, right. I can't do this. exactly. But that's well, Saturday. You've had it. You've done a few things. You're a day free. Mm-hmm. You're relaxed. Mm-hmm. No, no. I I get it. I get it. Yeah. Did you do anything yeah, it's interesting? A good, this it's week? a good thing. Uh, well, actually, yeah, I did. Uh, so. This week, we so we're in between my RPG group, we're in between campaigns. Uh, we just finished up our Starfinder campaign, our seven month long Starfinder yeah, campaign. I, yeah, I heard about what happened this week, and Keith said it was pretty good. Uh, cool, I'm glad he liked it. Uh, he he almost made the ultimate sacrifice, uh, but didn't actually have to, uh, because of gravity and whatnot. Uh, sadly, his in character. Uh, his in-character father had, was was unable to be saved. He's one of the reasons, uh, and a couple other people didn't make it. Um, but all well, I thought this week was Long Lee's one shot. That's there. the thing. So that's the thing I was going to talk about is that we were kind of in between. We had to do some um, some kind of wrap up uh, of of the Starfinder campaign, which was only going to take about an hour and a half. And so usually we play for about five hours. Uh, and so we decided to do because Long Lee, like said, he was kind of interested in doing you know, trying, you know, the DM chair or the GM chair out for a bit. So he, he, he's been talking about this for a couple of weeks, a couple of months about his, you know, maybe trying, giving it a try. And so we did a one shot. And so it didn't D and D fifth edition. It's the rule. Um, it's the rules that he knows the best and that we all kind of know the best. Um, and we're actually going to be going back to fifth edition uh, starting next week. Uh, we're beginning our, our, our brand new campaign that will probably be a very long campaign. Um, it, it seems like it. But we got to do a one shot, and I actually got to play, and I never get to play, and so it was it was really exciting. Yeah, I played Ondi Sipowitz, so who I got to play a rogue inquisitive, uh, which I've been really interested in doing because rogue inquisitive is like a kind of a different kind of rogue. um, Whereas most people think of rogues, they think of like the stabby stabbies and like coming out of the darkness or like thieving and stuff like that. A rogue inquisitive, uh, which is sort of the subclass of the rogue, is is more about like. Um, more kind of like you know, like a Sherlock Holmesy type of thing. Uh, but for me, I named him after my favorite detective, uh, which was Andy Sipowitz uh, from NYPD Blue. Andy Sipowitz. Except I, I named him Andy Sipowitz because you know copyright or something, right? And that was the voice I got to use. And so it was really fun. Like he, um, so he got a one. So I gave him a bunch of the resources that I had. Like here's a bunch of the books that I've bought over the years. And I don't really do like when I when I. When I DM, I usually write my own stuff, um, but I, t- I sometimes like harvest uh, some some stuff from other people, things that people have also like designed over time. Um, but I don't necessarily like 
run a pre-written or pre-gen campaign, but I gave him all my stuff in case he wanted to use them. And so he found one he liked uh, and he ran it. We were level three. Um, we were all in, uh, we were all in this little village and we started in like, you know, the, the kind of the, the classic starting in an inn or in a tavern and we already knew each other. And so uh, we got uh, some little boy came running into the inn and asked us for help uh, because a Madron had, uh, had landed. Madron's like a, uh, kind of like a, a big cube, um, like math geek type stuff from a different plane, uh, who fell into his barn and made his cow sick. And so he wanted us to help. So we went and helped and it involved like a, it involved a little bit of like the, like the never ending war between like devils and demons, stuff like that. Cause like one of the, one of the people in the, uh, in the actual, uh, and the actual city or in the tavern itself was like a secret devil. And we had to kind of negotiate. And it was really funny because we go up to this dude's house and we, at this point, we know this dude's a devil in disguise. And I'm just like kind of out front. And I, I was playing Andy Sipowitz, like early Andy Sipowitz, like where he was kind of drunk and not the greatest person to be around and kind of rubbed everyone the wrong way. And so that's kind of how I was playing him. Uh, so I would like, when I would interrogate people, I would just ask really rude things and I would just kind of put them off. Uh, and so the guy, the guy just sort of like kicked our, kicked our ass, like just basically kicked their ass. And eventually he was like, all right, never mind. I guess you're not here to kind of reveal me because the guy as a devil was just trying to hide it out. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, he, uh, it was so awesome. He, he made these little, uh, these little maps out of cardboard. So he cut out his own cardboard maps and drew his own maps for it too. So. Uh, it was so really awesome to see. that longly. Yeah, and it was the first time voices, we all. By the way, I, I was curious. About um, he, he does a little bit. Like he tries. Like, so yeah, he did a couple voices here and there. So it's pretty good. Uh, we, it was a pretty good game actually. Like we, uh, I think we had fun. Um, so I, I had my, had my voice that you've heard, Andy. My name's Andy Sipowitz, and that, that's that's how we sound. And I had a sore throat by the end of the night, but whatever, that's fine. It was all fun. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a nice little break. Um, my wife has uh, agreed or has volunteered at some point to do a one shot using the uh, uh, the they live bubblegum uh, system. Uh, for, so it seems it's a long story. I'll tell you when I tell you about talk about it when I know more about those rules. But there's like this little kind of cheeky game about you know that line from They Live, where it's like I come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. I mean, yeah. Of course. Well, there's like, yeah, there's like a whole like D and D, not D and D. There's a whole like RPG game, like simple one shot game based upon like using bubble gum and kick assness as like kind of meters for how cool you are and what you can do. So she's uh, she's agreed to to run one of those at some point down the line. But yeah, that was one of the cool things I did. It was really exciting. I actually got to play. It felt really good to play. Uh, we also got to use D and D Beyond for the first time because it's one of the things we're doing for um, for the new campaign. Is we're actually uh, trying to do it uh, on DND Beyond. DNDBeyond.com is like a, it's an online tool that you can use basically to manage characters. Um, and so like all the players themselves can manage their characters there. They can track their stats, track their equipment, et cetera. I can actually like assign or like give out, you know, items and weapons. I can, I can kind of create my own stuff on there, my own homebrew and give to them as well. So it's like a really nice way to just sort of manage the bookkeeping. Um, so we're giving that a try. Uh, so we've heard good things about it. And when we had last played fifth edition, it was just kind of starting. And so we didn't really, and we were, we were near the end of our campaign. So we're going to give that a go as well. So uh, next episode, I'll probably talk a little bit about like what I, what I started to do to prep for this, this next campaign. But, but yeah, D and D fifth edition did a little one shot. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, Longley. It was awesome. I'd like so to what about you guys one of these times. 
no. was for a one shot or something. I honestly would like to nope. do it over nope. the over Skype or something. I think it'd be fun. I would prefer not to. You know, I just no, well, I, I, I want to go fine. back. I want to go back and I want to make because one of the things we were doing last summer is we were doing some cipher system stuff uh, where I had designed kind of our own setting, kind of modeled somewhat after like Twin Peaks slash Welcome to Night Vale. And like I it was like a desert town in the middle of nowhere where weird stuff was happening and all the players were kind of the, you know, like various investigators also kind of like secret world as well but we just never we never played a second round of it um and i know not everybody was uh, i know keith specifically didn't really like cypher system as much so i don't know um i like cypher system i think it's pretty cool actually uh, but we'll figure something out uh, i definitely wouldn't mind doing it and i certainly wouldn't mind trying to get like a secondary game going every now and then uh to involve you and maybe gabe from time to time as well because he can't really commit to like the long-term campaign so like doing something that's semi-regular maybe once a month or every other month or something like that could be fun and maybe we could record it justin yeah i think it'd be interesting you gotta find a way i know it costs money set up like a a system where you can get it over the top view that'd be interesting mm, yeah because yeah. don't you guys use you guys use like play mats and stuff right yeah we do i make i make our terrain and stuff and i paint miniatures and all that kind of stuff yeah 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 so maybe we figure something out with it i don't know maybe maybe i don't think we need to do any of that that's just something i like to do because we're doing it but like if we're just doing a one shot we can easily just do theater of the mind stuff and just record it that's all, all right. it's, it's doable yeah anyway but it was really fun super exciting uh and i'm pretty stoked to start our uh our next campaign and i got it all ready to go uh got our site up and running that we're going to use for it and everything so yeah it's gonna be fun so what about you what have you done this week so I tried to uh, knock some stuff off my list. Uh, I have mm -hmm. a big old summer list of movies and games and and uh, TV shows. I watched some episodes of, was it, uh, not Alias, Jessica Jones. I watched a little bit of Krypton. Krypton. I watched, uh, I think, an episode of, of uh, another episode of Cloak and Dagger. I tried to get some stuff down, but like it's hard getting through the TV shows. But uh, I did watch Blade Runner 2049, um, star, uh, nice. directed, directed by uh, the Villanueva guy, who's like okay. knocking okay. every movie out of the park lately. Hmm. So I, I really am appreciating what he does. Um, it stars Ryan Gosling, Jared Leto, Harrison Ford, and a bunch of other people. Um, first off, beautiful movie. I love the way it looks. Um, they did a really good job of recapturing that original, like futuristic steampunky world. Um, steampunky? Not, not I steampunky, don't think that's uh, right. Cyberpunky. That's there the word. That's right. That's better. Cyberpunky world. You know, I, I think it was really neat how the all the like the monolith buildings and stuff like that, and the neons. And I thought it was really good. Um, trying to think, it was two and a half hours long, but it didn't seem like it. I thought the flow of the movie was really great. Um, I thought Ryan Gosling, you know, I saw the previews and I was like, man, this guy's got no emotion on his face, but then it's revealed to you quite early that he's a synth. So I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think you, I think everyone kind of knew that. Well, I, I try not to watch the much previews. I'm like, man, he looks kind of lifeless in the face, but like right in the beginning of the movie, like he's skin. You know, uh, you know, our friend Wobbly likes to think he looks like Ryan. He Gosling. doesn't at all. He Ryan really Close. doesn't. Yeah. But, um, I thought it was, um, really enjoyable. 
people complained. I, I heard people complain about the movie because it was slow or like too thinky or whatever. I'm like, no, it's not. I thought it was a really well paced movie and there's enough excitement. The fight scene in the beginning is really good. Batista does a really great job, and I like to see him in a movie where he's not fighting somebody. Um, a few things that did distract me is Harrison Ford needs to stop acting, cause, or at least acting in roles where he's running and fighting, because he's just he, he's he's just getting a little too old. Um, no, no, no. As long as he he keeps getting paid to do it, he should keep doing it. That's, it's, that's he it's just about. doesn't have. I think he's got something wrong with his hip or something because he never walks right. Right. Man, I always I, felt like I always felt like honestly Harrison Ford always looked really strange because he always does the thing. And like once you see it once, you're always gonna see it. But he does it in all of his movies going back to when he was you know, back in the eighties, back to Indiana Jones, the in Star Wars, stuff like that. But when like stuff's going on around him, like he's getting shot at or like he's uh got there's face. explosions, he throws his hands up behind the back of his head and he kinda like like, like old man runs away. He he's he doesn't even run. It's like almost like when he like almost when he gives up and he's just sort of bracing. It's just this weird thing that he does in like almost all of his movies. And I see, every time I yeah, see it, I know, I know what like, you're talking about. Like yeah. I see it all the time. Just like, hey, I'm gonna do a drinking game one of these days. I'm just gonna be like, but I just you know, I just think he's do it, just, do it times, he's getting to the point where maybe not so many action films anymore. At least having him be action filled. Uh, the double twist was interesting. Um, mm. I can't say 100% saw it coming, but I did think that that one visit was a little bit too like why why are we talking about this type of thing i thought that was interesting. there's a double twist yeah like you twist. think he's something but then it turns out he's not something it's somebody else you know it's the double oh. twist oh i think it's a single twist no 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 it's a double double twist no because um, i think the i think the movie was was uh, was pointing to that to the fact that gosling was was a, a particular individual throughout the whole movie like I think that was where most of the movie was sort of leading you to. Well, I think the and first then, half of the movie was him trying to figure out if that's what it was. Then he gets he figures it out and he gets upset, mm-hmm. and then and then the second half, the the last little bit was is not. But I thought it was really interesting, and I really liked like the reasoning, like at the end of the movie where Harrison Ford's like, "Why are you doing this?" And it's like, well, because in his eyes, from his memories, you know, that's that's you are important. You know what I mean? And so like. I thought it was a really interesting little thing at the end of the movie. It was like, why are you doing this for me? Well, because I had the memories that makes me think that you are, you know? And so he has a connection to him that he didn't, that, that would make it different than just regular Joe just helping him out. Even his name is Joe. But uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. The water fight scene at the end was amazing. I thought that was great. And, and like the, the final part of it with him and the girl is pretty visceral and pretty rough. Like, the the whole him the finisher of it i was like geez that's that's rough but it was good and i really liked like the lighting and like the sense of of like uh anxiety and urgency of what's going on because you see what's happening in the in the distance of what's going on i was like man this is this is really good i I really enjoyed it so like i thought it lived up to the first one pretty well the first one wasn't even in this action packed um first one was extra slow depending on the version that you watched but i thought it was good and i also like that they didn't you know they didn't talk about like how harrison ford is a is a synth or something like because there's always that weird thing in the first movie like is he or is he not they pretty much established that he's not so it's like it's pretty good right so uh that's blade runner that was the first one i have another one we'll talk about a little bit later but uh i thought i liked it a lot um 
it, it's not like top top tier for me but it was very very enjoyable to watch so i don't know if i'd sit down for another two and a half hours and watch it again but it's something i'm glad i watched so. i did sit down and watch it for a second time so uh, it's two and a half it was, hours it was very lot. good mm-hmm. what's good you been doing, buddy? I, I like long movies when they're good all right so i want to talk uh quickly here about a, a board game uh, called a trickarian uh for two reasons one because i think it's a good game and two because they have an expansion up on kickstarter that i want to i want to i want to give a shout out to so tricarian is a game that's designed by richard amon victor peter and i think david tertzi there's like been some uh expansions here and there and i can't remember exactly who designed which expansion but those are like the big three three names and i think there's another guy too that was credited in the most recent expansion but anyway uh this game was published by mind clash games which is a company that has now uh has been been to kickstarter for three separate games one the first one was tracarian second one was a game called anachrony and a third one was last year called cerebria that is set to deliver later this year um so this is like their this is their fourth Kickstarter, I believe, but this is like their first time they've returned to a previous game. Uh, so this one's originally released back in 2015, and I actually backed it back then. Uh, but this is a worker placement game, and it's got an amazing theme. Uh, the theme is basically competing magicians. So everyone is a competing magicians, but by, by magicians, I'm talking more like the prestige slash the illusionist type sense, not the Harry Potter sense. So Wonderful. everyone's kind of, yeah, Wonderful. so everyone's like, they're stage magicians and it's set kind of in a Victorian age and you're stage magicians in that, in that, you know, that manner. Uh, and they, like during the course of the game, you're recruiting different assistants, you're researching um, like different, spe- like different um, tricks, not spells, sorry, different tricks, collecting different resources to, to, to actually be able to, to complete certain tricks. Uh, there's actually little books, like there's different types of tricks that are categorized in different ways. Um, so some are more kind of based on illusion. Some might be more based on like escapism or some might be more based on like machinery. And so there's all sorts of different, different things. And there's little booklets that you can actually go through and read through all the different types. Uh, and these are all based, I think on actual, you know, trick names, uh, from original stage magician craft. Right. Uh, so it's really, really interesting. Um, and so I like the fact that it's not dealing with like actual magic, even though kind of, if you get into the the game a bit and the lore of the game, there might actually be magic. And that's one of the things that people are competing over. These are all people who are doing stage magician stuff for the hope of actually getting awarded like some understanding of like real, real magic, but that's really not too important. Uh, so it's a really good game. It's, it's a lot of um, worker placement and simultaneous action selection. So those are kind of like the two primary things. You also have uh, like, whenever you play the game, you pick a specific magician to play and each magician's plays slightly differently um, and they have kind of different, you know, different minor bonuses, but in, in the realm of things, there's not like a, like a major difference between each one of these. You all have access to different types of spells and stuff like that. So um, like on a turn, you basically, at the start of a turn, everybody has their own set of cards, these little small cards that correspond to the different locations on the map. And you basically pre-plan, everyone pre-plans at the same time where they're going to send their workers. And then once uh, everyone's done that, you reveal, and then you start placing those workers in those actual locations and doing the actions that are there. So it's a slight variation on the way traditional worker placement works. The other thing is that workers themselves have different benefits. Um, some of them are you know, better than others at certain things. Um, like you even also have like a major assistant uh, that, that has like their own special actions that they can take. Um, also certain locations on the board there's a limited amount of those locations and the locations themselves, like each spot at that location might have 
um, certain bonuses or pen penalties depending on where you actually place um, your particular worker. So it's about like choosing ahead of time, what are, what's the base location you're gonna send your workers to? And then once everyone's done that, then it's actually taking a turn having seen where everyone plans to send their workers to actually put your workers down in a particular order. So it's really fun. Um, so during the course of the game, like you're collecting resources uh, or you're, you're asking or recruiting different types of resources, um, you're doing different actions, et cetera. But there's also kind of like this little puzzle element to it because at the end of a turn or at the end of a round, whatever they refer to as, um, you actually do a performance. And so one of the major locations on the game board is the actual, you know, the, the theater where you're actually performing. Uh, and there's a couple different days in which you can perform. And depending on when you perform, there's different bonuses or penalties that you might get for it, right? So like there's there's like more prime time positions on when you can actually do your performance than others. And so you kind of, you know, jockey over who gets those, those particular positions. Now, when you perform a trick, what you're basically doing is you're taking these tokens that you've accrued over the course of the game and you're playing placing them onto this fairly big kind of not quite tarot size, but almost tarot size card that has kind of like an interlocking uh, kind of puzzle mechanism. So each of these tokens has different symbols on it. And then you place them on a card and you're trying to align certain symbols with each other. So it's about how you actually place certain tokens on it. And that can uh, gain. And, and if you do it properly, if you set certain things down on a puzzle piece, when you're performing your tricks, then you gain extra bonuses for it. Maybe you get some extra coin, maybe you get some extra resources, etc. So it's all kind of an interesting element to it. So it's a, it's a nice little, little send off of how to actually, um, you know, the, the culmination of, of, the, the the turns actions like everything you got to do on that particular round uh, so it's a really fun game now there's a couple different ways you can play this game because the game itself is just you know it's just tricarian but then in the in the original kickstarter they had a couple built-in expansions or modules that you can do as well um like the the, the dark alley uh, expansion or module is like one of the ones we play with all the time my wife and i uh, because it adds some sort of randomization um, to one of the locations like the dark alley is literally a location you can send workers to and it kind of cycles around the different bonuses and the different effects that could potentially happen during the course of a game. So it's not just completely static, like thing, you know, that particular location can actually do something slightly different each time you play because there's a little bit of randomization, which I like, which I kind of like. Um, and so that's, that's one of the extra modules it has. And there's some others as well. Um, so now it's a few years later, it's 2018 and Mind Clash is back on Kickstarter and they're doing two things on here. So one thing they're doing is they're, re they're releasing a new expansion uh, for Tricarian called uh, Dollguards uh, Academy, um, which is, that's designed by David Turchi and Benjamin Tiemann. Uh, and then they're also re-releasing the original game as a collector's edition. Um, and so you have the option of kind of getting either just the expansion or getting, you know, like the collector's edition with some kind of some bling. Um, the expansion adds a solo mode, which is really nice because solo mode gaming, board gaming is, is I, I think, becoming more popular by the year. Um, it's a, it's a new academy location, what it's called. It's also adding a new type of specialist, like the original game, like your, your super amazing worker that you got at the very beginning of the game is either a manager, an engineer, or an assistant, and they all have their slight variations and specialties. Uh, the new one's called a protege, which is, a, which is apparently kind of customizable that you can use different, uh, you can make loose use of the new location, the academies, you kind of tweak or, or adapt the protege to play however you want it to play throughout the course of the game, which is kind of cool. Um, the Academy is, has you like renovating, like using actions, just like, you know, it's a worker, it's a, it's a worker placement game, action selection game. So you're still doing the same kind of stuff. 
In this expansion, you're renovating this old manor um, to add classrooms and practice rooms and using practice rooms allows you to kind of modify your tricks prior to your performances. And that's also really cool. Um, there's also four new magicians that you can play as. There's Anjali, who seems to be, to me, has kind of like an, an East Indian vibe. I'm not entirely sure what the uh, what the background is. There's also Professor Bernard, who seems who's an escape artist. Uh, there's Geert Van Augustin, who's Scion of the Magnificent, and then there's Luminia the Radiant. So there's four extra characters that you can play as from the start of the game, which is kind of fun. Uh, there's different there's different pledge levels. If you just want the expansion only and you don't really care so much about all the extra bling, you can get it for 35 bucks. There's also the collector's upgrade pack. That's for people who already have Tricarion and you want the expansion and you want the bling. And the bling is like these plastic trays that'll help you organize your game, which are really cool. Again, there's a revised rule book. There's um, some printed pouches that you can use to kind of help organize some of your materials that look really nice. They have uh, they have like the printed Tricarion design on top of it. And there's metal coins. And metal coin playing board games with metal coins is just... Oh, so nice. Um, that's 65 bucks. And then there's the collector's edition, which is basically if you haven't played Tricarian before, you don't have the base game and you just want everything all at once, there's that. Uh, so you can get all that for 115. So that's everything together. So it's a short run Kickstarter. So it's only been going on for two weeks uh, and it started a little over a week ago. It ends on the 27th of June. So it's only a couple days after this episode drops. There's not a whole lot of time uh, between when this ep episode airs and when the Kickstarter ends. So uh, if you're interested in Chikaria and if you're interested in uh, upgrading maybe your previous you know, your previous version or just getting the expansion or whatever it is, uh, head over to Kickstarter. It's a really good game. Mind Clash games to me, like I have backed all three of their Kickstarters prior to this one. And it's in it. And the two games that I've received from them so far, Chikarian and Anachrony have been fantastic. I love them both. Uh, and Cerebria looks amazing. So Mind Clash Games has actually become kind of an auto back for me whenever I see them pop up with a new um, kind of with a new project up on Kickstarter. They're one of like a two, like the two or three companies that I will auto back at this point. It's like them, Red Raven Games. Like I will always just just I will automatically just back them because I've gotten nothing but good good times from them. So highly recommend it. Highly recommend Jacarian. Uh, the theme is amazing. It's a theme we don't get to see very often. Um, stage magicians, not something we play too much. Uh, we usually do a lot of regular magicians, like actual magicians who are casting real spells, uh, but I really like the trick aspect of it. And I love the prestige. It's like one of my favorite movies. So anyway, you got till the 27th of June uh, around there. So it's Tricarian Doll Guards Academy in Collector's Edition. Uh, Justin, what else you got? It's pretty cool. I like the whole idea of the whole magician thing. It's pretty interesting. Oh, it's so good, man. The theme is amazing. I love the theme. I love the prestige. Prestige is my my favorite uh, my favorite movie. Uh, like, well, not one of my favorite. I guess top five movie for me. I just, I love that movie so much. It's if it's got Nolan in it, you're getting to love it. It's my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, so I like it even better than the Batman movies. So. Anyway. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about is um, I'm on this countdown to Batman number 50, right? Uh, where they're getting married. Uh, yep. The most recent one came out this week uh, for uh, The Best Man. It's Batman number 49, written by Tom King and art by Mikhail, Mikhail Janin. Or Janin. I'm sure I'm not doing it right. Um, and so this follows after Batman had his uh, run-in with Joker, and he's been knocked out pretty sturdily. And now Catwoman is coming to try and save the day. And this was a very, very interesting comic book, I have to say. One of the best, I'd say, Batman books I've read in a long time. So, in this comic, basically, uh, Selina Kyle, who's Catwoman, fights the Joker to try and stop him from killing uh, her betrothed, right? 
And in the right. process, same of, thing happened at my wedding too. My wife got into a fist fight with your brother. It was really strange. Yeah, it's real weird. I don't know. My, um, my wife won too. So in awesome. the process of it, he shoots her in the gut, and she slits his throat right with her claws. And they're both kind of held there and can't move. If she moves, then she'll bleed out. And if he takes his hands off his throat, then he'll bleed out. And so, essentially, for the rest of the comic, they're sitting there having a conversation. And there's some fantastic things where it's like, remember the good old days when we used to do this all the time? Uh, What was the difference between you and him and uh, and me and him? You know, he, he had like a really interesting introspective of who they are is like uh she asked one of the funnier lines is like why is why does Cobblepot always have a penguin why does he always have an umbrella and he's like well because he's the penguin he's got a tuxedo she's like do penguins have like this is the conversation they're having because i'm not really good friends with them it's more two-face i'm just friends with two-face and and i'm kind of like a friend through two-face with him it's like a really interesting like fun conversation with these guys that are just trying to kill each other and also have almost done so, but are stuck. Um, and uh, it's just a really cool introspective on on their characters and like how they feel about each other. Because she was a villain; she was hundred percent a bad person, and she kind of changed her ways, sort of, to uh, make it so that her and Bats can spend more time together. But like, she stole her wedding dress, but she does. She he's like, how, "What's your wedding dress look like?" She's like, "Well." It's got black lace. I stole it. And he's like, does he know? And she's like, no, please don't tell him. He'll be upset. And it's like the thing where it's like, it's almost like they were, because they were friends. They were part of a group that they, you know, this rogues gallery that that would deal with Batman. Some stuff was really interesting in this comic because DC's gone through like redos and remakes and all this different stuff. And they kind of proved that certain things are still canon. Um, He mentions about killing Robin. So the whole... Uh, death in the family still happened. He mentions about, and you would understand this reference, uh, laughing in the rain together. So that would be... Hey, from, I just read that a couple yeah, weeks ago. Or watched that, I mean. From the killing yeah. joke. So that means yeah. that whole thing happened. So it's interesting, too, because... So I was right then with that whole idea of, yeah, like, did, did they kill him at the end? Which is ridiculous. Anyone who thought yeah. that. But, but it's interesting, though, because Barbara Gordon's not paralyzed anymore. So that's interesting to me. So that's, that's like, other stuff where I'm like, huh, interesting. Right. But, like, it's, like, really, really great dialogue. And at the end, he kind of, like, he's like, if I remove this hand from my throat, I can get these bullets and put them in my gun and shoot you in the head. And you can't do anything about it. She goes, yeah, but if you do that, you'll pass out before it happens and you'll die. So he... At the end, he's like having a conversation. He goes, "Well, I think this is about time we try this out." And he takes his gun, fills it with bullets, and tries to shoot her, and just nothing. He passes out. So I'm assuming he just passes out from blood loss. He's not actually dead, but it's just a really, uh, really, really great comic. It's one of the best Batman comics I've ever read. Because what I love about comics is not the superhero-y. The superhero stuff can be fun. Uh, really big fights, really big events can be fun. I I have a place for that. There's stuff where I like where I super nerd out because I know certain things other people don't do don't know because I've read too much and I know too many things. But like these comics where they're really humanizing themselves and they they become like more normal. I love that. 
And I, and I love it when they have these two characters that are just so ridiculous. When they're fighting in the beginning, she's growling and meowing, right? And they're just, and he's painted faced and he's a crazy person, but they're sitting there having like an old friends at the dinner table type of conversation. It's great. And so stuff like that, I love. And so this is one of those fantastic little dialogues between two characters you never would thought have these type of dialogue. And it's really interesting. Which leads into the next comic, which comes out next month about, probably about this time next month and about, I think it's uh, July 16th it comes out, something like that, where they do get married. And I'm curious as to what's going to happen. I, I find it hard to believe that Batman will get married and everything's going to be okay. I find it very difficult to believe. Sure. I mean, why not? You know, Because he's not supposed to be happy. He's supposed to be sad. Says every Batman story ever made. So So maybe try something a little different for once, you know? Maybe. Maybe I mean, he's got like 17 Robins, so maybe he's got that happiness. But it's just, it's really (laughs) interesting. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they finish this up. So Tom King's been doing a a knockout job with this so far. And I haven't read a ton of stuff that he's done, but he's pretty good. So it's Batman number 49. I got it on uh, Comixology for $2.99. Um, cool. so you can grab it on there all the time and you can always go to your local comic shop and support your comic stores it's always good to do that too if you like your your, your hard copy so Batman 49 what else you got going on buddy actually I didn't really do much but I did go see Jurassic World and I think it's time we we break that down I think yeah yeah I think we talk too much all the time so that sounds good so let's, let's okay. head over there yeah okay let's do it it's the movie <laughs> Breakdown. Fallen Kingdom is directed by J.A. Biona and is the fifth film in the Jurassic Park series set three years after its predecessor, Jurassic World. Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt reprise their roles as Claire Deering and Owen Grady. Now in Fallen Kingdom, Isla Nublar, the island where Jurassic World was built, is on the verge of destruction from a now active volcano, which threatens the continued life of the dinosaurs that were left on the island. Governmental and public debate surrounds whether these dinosaurs should be saved or left to die to the volcano. Claire, specifically, works as an advocate for their protection. And when the government decides to let nature take its course, Claire is contacted by Benjamin Lockwood, an original partner to John Hammond of original Jurassic Park fame. Lockwood has made plans via his proxy, Eli Mills, to save some of the species in a private expedition, and they need Claire's help. They also need her to convince Owen to come along in order to save Blue, the last remaining trained raptor. Claire and Owen head to the island. Things go wrong in the obvious manner anyone would expect. One or two interesting secrets are revealed. Jeff Goldblum is completely wasted, and people continue to forget that T-Rexes and raptors have killed a bunch of people and treat them like they're dogs and cats. Anyway... That's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We're going to do our best not to spoil too much. Uh, but if we do decide to spoil some things, we'll warn you before we do so. Uh, Justin, what do you think? I'm going to flip the script. Usually I'm the first one to go. I want to know what <laughs> you thought first. So you go for it. Uh, I didn't think it was very good, to be honest. Um, oh, thank God. Just... Finally, we agree on something. Okay. Uh, I, like, I don't think like it wasn't terrible in the sense like, Oh my God, this is the worst movie I've ever seen, but it felt like lazy to me. I don't know. It just, it felt yeah, my, like my notes are okay. That's, that's my notes. <laughs> Melissa, my wife, we get into the car and she's like, I'm like, so what'd you think of the movie? She's like, it was fine. And I'm like, yeah, that's about right. You know, like that's, that's, I, I can kind of see that. I don't even know if I would go as far as to call it fine, but I don't know. For me, it felt, ah, it just, 
I don't know. It felt kind of half-assed in a way. Like I feel like it had a lot of the cool dinosaur stuff that we've come to expect. People get eaten. That's always fun. Uh, but it just felt everything was incredibly predictable. There was like one thing in the movie that was a little bit like, oh, wow, I didn't exactly see that coming. But even still, like that is nowhere near enough to save the movie itself. And it's really like, nothing that's like, oh my God, really? It was, it was no, like not really. It, it was, it's sort of like a, hey, I'm kind of like, like in retrospect, I'm kind of surprised no one's actually tried to do that yet, you know? So like in the 30 or whatever years or 20 something Or years in the end, like this. how is this crossing the line in my eyes? Right. Like, this, this is the line that it crossed? Yeah. I'll, I'll get to that point. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, right. So, okay. So, I mean, were there good things about the movie? I mean, obviously it looks great. Like the movie looks great. Absolutely no problem. And were there funny moments between Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard? Absolutely. Because I, I mean, I think the two of them are actually pretty good together and they make some funny jokes. Um, they have a couple of good, you know, talk back and forth. Uh, I can't even remember the character's name. That was the new IT guy. He was stereotypically funny. He was like your cliche. I'm a guy who, you know, I don't a lot do of outdoors. So like, yeah, like my dad told me to take this job so I can have better personal skills, like using that kind of cliche, but he was still pretty funny and, and that's fine. Um, so like, like there were those moments, but overall, like the story was just stupid. Like it was just, it was dumb. Like it just like, there's a certain, okay. So like the movie in the movie itself, um, Jeff Goldblum uh, does is like testifying before like a congressional Senate hearing or something like that. And they're asking him questions and he's giving obviously stupid answers because his answers are in no way, shape or form specific. And he's just sort of speaking theoretically or philosophically about things. And one of the things he talks about, one of the things he says is like, you know, how often are we going to continue making this mistake, you know, doing the same thing over and expecting something different. Right. And I kind of feel like in a meta way, he's sort of talking about making Jurassic Park. <laughs> right. Because like, how often are you going to keep remaking the same film without kind of breaking new ground? Because I don't really feel like ground was broken here. Like they, they have this new kind of like, this is what I mean by half-assed. They have this new thing, like the new theme for this movie is like endangered species. Right. And so this idea, like, do these dinosaurs deserve the type of protections that we extend to like, you know, rhinoceroses or something like that, like other, other endangered or near extinct species around the world. And like, that's like a debate, you know, and it's just like, okay, I guess that's a debate. But at the same time, like, you know, a rhinoceros isn't really involved, you know, with the, the various dis destruction of these two parks that we've had over the past 20 yeah, years. Yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest. Wholesale slaughter. And they're also, you know, not scientifically created. That's one know, of like my biggest problems with the movie like it was like a whole thing like you you had to really be like yes i believe that this could actually be a conversation yeah. to then kind of move on to the rest of the movie and like all right i'll suspend my disbelief there but like i'm doing so kind of in a begrudging way like i'm not really doing this because like i really believe you i'm doing it in like a i'm winking at you because i think this is this is crap but i'm gonna go along with it anyway like that's kind of how i felt like the the way i described it to my wife was what happens when a dog bites a kid right what happens Right. Uh, you put not, the dog down. Yeah, right? you more often than not, the dog is either going to be put down, like especially if it's something that, if especially if the dog has done it before. Like if the dog has done it before, that dog is down. Like if a dog does it the first time, it's possible they might get away with it, but like for the most part, they get down. Yeah. So what happens if that dog's the size of a two-story house? Are we gonna, <laughs> are we gonna leave it around? I know. Like, I know. Is that's the thing where like the the main flaw for this movie for me was like the point to get there in the first place. I think 
Bryce's character. That's that's right. That's Bryce Howard. Her character's name is Claire. But yeah, Claire. Bryce I think Howard. she's a psych a psychopath. I think she's insane. <laughs> First off, she created right. all of these things. She created the Indominus the Rex, which by the way is an absolutely terrible name. Yeah, but the Indominus she, Rex. She she signed off. She on created yeah. these things. Yeah, and, she's all cool. With that. And she is solely responsible for the deaths of. Not solely. There were other people responsible, and she wasn't in charge of the. She's part. in she part responsible. No, for the she's deaths. definitely in part. No, absolutely. But like, why is she not in jail? That's that's my question. She should be in jail. People are yeah. dead. Yeah. No, I totally agree. For gross, like how, gross negligence. And like, like I think the the company was involved with like eight like eight hundred million dollars worth of settlements to the survivors. That's I'm like, not a lot. That seems low. Yeah, exactly. I'm when like, someone when I heard that, I was like, low. I was like, that seems like a low ball. Lawyers like have done a really good job. Million? Yeah, like good good on you. Guys, I was, I I was right? listening for billions. It's like if right. you if you were traumatized and or had family members killed in a park, right. I, like. There's there's I certain know. things. Okay, so okay, let me go through the things that I remember okay, that annoyed go. me. Okay. Okay. Go first thing, uh, the whole plot to get to the first place dumb. Like to say we need to right. save these creatures. Like no, they had their chance four times, four times. <laughs> They're done. They need right. to die. Um, yes. Uh, second part. Uh, I okay, thought well. the buddies were annoying. I thought the girl was uh, your alt-left feminist uh, like stereotype and, and they the, were definitely the two yeah the two young yeah. folk that were coming along and, and the boy was totally your nerd, your nerd stereotype which i yeah. i like come on just give me some i get with tired of it depth. too yeah and the screaming the, I, I know you can't replicate the kids from the original one because i thought the kids in the original are great uh, the daughter and the or the niece. I and don't know if I would go so far as to call them great. The he whole, fought like, in our war over in the Pacific. I you know be this. careful what you're it's saying. The Unix system, like okay, whatever. That young kid fought in our war. Is not what user interfaces look like, but whatever, that's fine. She was that young kid with Mister Robot fought over in the Pacific. Okay, I know. Sure. All right. Anyways, I, got, uh, I understand. I get the reference. It's not scary at all. The the the, the whole movie is. Uh, the lack of scare um the right. original jurassic park is a thriller it's it's at the very least uh, a sci-fi horror almost certain things are I, just i use the term i think it's their adventure movies i don't know i don't think they're horror there, movies. there's some really scary stuff in that movie i'm not saying there's not scary stuff but there's also scary stuff in indiana jones I yeah mean, indiana jones temple of doom like he reaches into a dude's chest and pulls his freaking heart out like that's that one's like just crazy. weird that's but just creepy. I still think they're. I don't know. Like I wouldn't put them in a horror movie. I would make. I, I think these are adventure movies. I just think like adventure. there, there's no suspense. There, there's nothing that to me is like the the best part of it when it comes to like scariness or or uh, uh, creepiness was when she's backing up and it almost grabs her. That's the best part. But that's in a preview. Right. Oh yeah, we and, and we knew that wasn't going to yeah. happen right then. So. I thought it was interesting. That 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 to me was like okay, but like everything else is just kind of like. Or the other thing was, uh, how many times is that T Rex going to do that same thing? Like I know he's like it's it's like just put a cape on him. He's like here he's like, I am to not save only, the day. Not like, only does it uh, save has it saved multiple humans. Yeah. Right? It has also yeah. saved multiple humans and done the same exact pose every time. Yeah. So yep. it's just like. 
Come on. I and guess like, he only has a taste for lawyers who are taking a dump. Like, I feel yeah. like that's it. Like, every other night, he just doesn't really have a taste for humans. And, like, and it's it's weird. The movie's strange to me, like, the feel of it. Because there was kids in our theater. Oh, my God. Like, me too, man. Oh, but, so like, weird. there's people being eviscerated. In the <laughs> end, the guy gets torn in half. I do. Like, it's... It's awesome. It's rough. And I'm like, is this... Who is... Is this for kids? Because they have a lack of blood. There's really not a lot of blood in the movie. Like, very little. But the things that are happening are horrific. Um, what was the thing? Uh, uh, why do we need another new species? That, that's the thing I have a problem with. I too. still like, don't understand that. Like, you I already did that, that in the, the last first movie. Jurassic World. Like, I know. I, okay, one of my biggest complaints with the Jurassic franchise, like because look, I'm not opposed to having more Jurassic Park movies. I just want them to do something a little bit more interesting each time, and I don't think they are. And they've been on this like for for two to three movies now. I mean, mainly for these past two, um, this whole idea of like weaponizing them. I'm like, can we stop with that? That is like the stupidest idea. That is like a, it's a sci-fi. There was a way to in the afternoon on Sunday movie premise. Okay, yeah, if only there was a way that, to please? maybe like shoot them and kill them. Yeah, to stop them from coming at you. Like I'm just it's enough of that kind of stuff. It's like we we use drones and we use like we use drones to deliver massive weaponry. I guess that T Rex is gonna jump really high and grab it. Like come on <laughs> already. Like, I'm gonna give like, you a T Rex. It's such a dumb. And I'm gonna give this person that. a drone that can shoot a bunker buster like thirty <laughs> yards down underground. Yeah. Who's yeah. gonna win? Like it's yeah. just, that. That to me doesn't make any sense. Listen, Last... I'm on board if you want to teach them how to use weapons. If you want to put an AK-47 <laughs> you, yeah, on their shoulders, how to fly a drone, maybe I'm on board for that. Like as a comedy, but like, yeah, I am so tired of that storyline. They've done it, it for two of them. Doesn't make now. any just sense. Silly. And yeah, and it's absolutely silly. All right, so now let's get into a little bit of uh, spoilers. Okay, I want to get into some spoilers. Okay, skip ahead ten minutes to the next if you don't want to get spoiled. Yeah. Go All ahead. right. So first thing. Uh, Buffalo Bill going in the cage. Is I'm the so sad because thing. I love Ted Levine or Levine, however you pronounce him. Buffalo Bill. That's funny because I was actually going to use the name Buffalo Bill in the summary, <laughs> but I, I cut I cut him out at that point because I was running really long in the summary. But yeah, yeah, he goes into the cage. First of all, Stupid. the dudes he's collecting teeth from these animals. Like, okay, whatever. Okay, actually, no. First of all, like. When 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 he came onto the screen, right? When we first met him, was there any any thought in your mind that he was not going to completely turn on them at some point, like <laughs> yeah. within the next fifteen minutes? Could he look more menacing? I know. To me, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like if oh if he turns on them, but like yeah, it's just a matter of time. Like it's like it's, is it going to be ten minutes? Is it going to be twenty minutes? Like when's it going to be? When's it going to happen? Right? And so yeah, him walking into the cage, absolutely stupid. Like. And then I don't know, like the whole just because he wants to get teeth, like he's ripping teeth. And out it and became stuff, like, like slapsticky. His his yeah. death was slapstick. Just... It was pretty funny. Like and, cuts and, off his yeah, like with why, the tail going up, and then yeah. like ah. Yeah, why is the guy that had three lines in the first movie the ultimate villain? I don't understand. Understand that this whole thing. Like who's who's the ultimate? The, villain? the scientist. Why is he the ultimate? He had three lines in the first. Oh, movie. I know. Uh, Wu, Doctor yeah. Wu, BD Wong. Yeah, I, just, all right. I always remember BD Wong from Law and Order because he was always like a, a psychologist consultant. Yeah, on like yeah, Law yeah, and yeah, Order. yeah. He would come in like recurring character type. I always remember him from there. But yeah, I, I don't get it either. Like, uh, I don't even know who's the ultimate villain. Like, he he even was warning them not to do that. Like, he's like, no, don't sell the the 
you know, don't sell the prototype. Uh, okay. The the big um, twist when it happened, I'm like, so? Like, yeah. <laughs> I kind of was like, oh, that's interesting. I still don't care. But like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm with you on that too. Like, all right. So James Cromwell, uh, who is Benjamin Lockwood, had a daughter and his daughter died in a car accident. Uh, but running around, and that was like before the, the movie started. So that was like a while ago. Um, but there's like this little girl who's running around his his gigantic mansion. And they, they say, oh, it's his granddaughter. It's his daughter's daughter, right? But it ends up not being his daughter's daughter. It's the cloned version of his daughter. So it's just a clone of his daughter. We learn that later. So it's like, ooh, shocking, interesting. Like to me, I'm like, okay, that is at least kind of interesting in the sense that it's different. Like, oh, no one really, never really kind of approached this type of question before. But like, it's so run over, like with all the other nonsense that's going on in this movie, that it never really takes. It just stage, seems like so. in a mush, right? Like it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. That's really why matter. I mean, like that's why I really do feel like this is a half-assed movie. I feel like this is a movie that like had a couple ideas that were kind of interesting, but never really committed to them, and instead kind of pulled from the same you know silly bag of tricks to do the same kind of nonsense that's worked before, like the T Rex popping up to to do the roar and you know et cetera, et cetera, like. So and let's go to my main problem with this movie. Okay. The very end of this film. Okay. The little uh, uh, Claire is going to release the the right. dinosaurs into the world because they're dying from hydrogen cyanide. Which why does this facility have a giant tank of hydrogen cyanide? That doesn't make any sense. Well, no, I think it makes sense as like an emergency thing in case they start going crazy. You use it to kill. Like I understand why it's there. Like I, I think. Anyways. So she says no. If she would have said yes, it would have made me so angry. But the little girl says, no, they're alive just like me. And she released them, right? She is just sentenced hundreds to thousands of people to their death because she cares about dinosaurs. She let out all types of monsters into this world. And hundreds of people, by the way, that had nothing to do with developing Jurassic Park, developing Jurassic World, doing anything. We're talking about people who aren't like these massive, rich, crazy scientists. people in California. Playing with nature. Just regular folk that are just sentenced to to whatever. Like, Like, that's ah, ridiculous. They need to live their life. Like, no, you just murdered thousands of people. You sent a T-Rex into into the real world again they're not dogs and cats and listen blue i get it blue is you know he's your thing but it's she's cute she's cute like blue does kill people we've seen blue kill people like it's what blue does and i don't blame blue for that obviously but at the same time it's just like you don't release that creature out into the wild, much like if you did kind of like a magic and illusionist act and you happen to use a tiger in it and uh, or a lion and that tiger decides to maul one of the people involved in the act. You don't be like, you know what? Let's release let's, into let's the release wild. Let's release it into Cleveland. Let's like, go <laughs> just do that. <laughs> I mean, it already is a factory of sadness. So yeah, well, let's just go ahead and make people more. more sad by killing half the The Bengals have already done enough damage there. We can't take another tiger. Isn't that Cincinnati? Isn't that the Natty? Yeah, I'm saying the AFC North has been destroying them. For anyway, years. anyway, the point is, is that like it just makes so many of the, the actions that the characters take don't really make any sense. They're kind of backed into the corner, and it's just like I don't know. It, it felt really poorly executed. I just feel like there wasn't a good overarching story. It just it really wasn't that good overall. Like it, and it was silly and so predictable. Like so much of it was just easy to see coming. Like outside of the daughter 
or granddaughter being the daughter cloned, like there is really not even an ounce of like, oh, hey, I'm surprised this person turned on you. Oh, hey, I'm surprised this person turned on you. Like those things were not particularly surprising or interesting in any way. And I know there's a point where I'm just like, why did they go back again? Like, why, why are they there? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It's just, these people should have been arrested for gross negligence. They should have been locked away. This never should have happened. The dinosaurs should be dead. It doesn't, none of this makes any sense. And I also feel like, can we, can we stop calling Jeff Goldblum? Like to, to like these Senate congressional hearings. He's not a scientist. He's a chaos theorist. That's all he, he is. He's a chaos theorist, which was really hot in the 90s, but no one really talks about it as much anymore, right? So, like, can, can we just stop? Like, I I love Jeff Goldblum, don't get me wrong, but, like... I would have on, taken right? a, a Grant cameo there, because yeah. he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Right? Or can we bring Laura Dern's character back? Like, yeah. I haven't seen Laura Dern in a while. With the purple hair from Star Wars, I'll do that, too. Oh, yeah, well, she needs to... I mean, her character. Uh, that's a whole different story. Anyway... I would definitely okay. So if we're just getting to the final final thought, I would not recommend anyone go see this. Me neither. Do not Stinks. spend your money on this movie in theaters. Thank God uh, I didn't. Yeah. What? I'm oh yeah, bad, right. you man. I know. Yeah, I spent money. Um, regret it. I'm so but, sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, but if you watch it, I mean, obviously, I think because it, it's it's technically well crafted. Like it's it's definitely it's you know it's it looks great. So watch it when it comes out on a streaming service or when it comes out on, you know, premium channel or something like that. But don't, don't, I would, don't go see it. Like, just don't, it's just not that great. It's really <laughs> like, if, if I were like, if I were to put this in the, in the kind of the pantheon of Jurassic world movie or Jurassic park movies, like I honestly, I think I put it at the very bottom. Like yeah, I, it's I, the, I think, think it's, it's the worst. Jurassic park too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, Hmm. It's it's tough between that one. I think those two are, are definitely the worst. But like, I mean, I would put Jurassic Park the original. That's still number one. And that one's really beat oh, that by one. far. And, yeah, and Jurassic Park three is sneaky good. Like, I feel like Jurassic Park three is a sneaky good movie. And uh, you know, but anyway, I do not think this is a particularly good movie. And uh, I think you should. I would I would definitely encourage people not to spend their money on. It. So that is Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Uh, we are going to move on over because Justin's going to talk to us about some comics here for a few minutes. I got a good one for you this week. This is going to be good. All right. It's time for the biweekly pool. All right. So for my comic pool today. Uh, I was recommended this by a friend of mine, uh, so shout out to Matt Osborne. Uh, he uh, recommended this to me. We went out and had dinner the other night. Remember, uh, it was uh, last Saturday. Remember when I had to switch it to Sunday? So yeah, uh, I remember. I, I not to be confused with the, the two, two Saturdays. The before, seventeen yeah, other whatever. times I've done it. Yeah. But uh, uh, he said you got to try this out. So it's called Spencer and Locke. Okay, it's only four comics. It's a self-contained story so far. Uh, I don't believe that there's going to be any more of it. It's a little graphic novel I got off of Comixology. It's written by David Pose and art by Jorge Santiago Jr. Okay. So, the story is this. Locke is a detective, right? And he has a partner. His partner is a giant blue panther. Okay? And his name right. is Spencer. Got it. But... Spencer's not real. The idea oh, is... So it's like happy. It, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like okay. when he was a kid, 
he had a stuffed a stuffed cat and just like so calvin, like and calvin and hobbs yes what? it is okay. it's calvin and hobbs if calvin and hobbs had a terrible childhood and he grew up mm-hmm. and was still insane right, right. so right. it is amazing whenever they do flashbacks it looks like calvin and hobbs right they have the same type of big swipes and like that type of look of calvin and hobbs with the spiky hair and stuff right like copyright infringement no no no. it's just it's just it's just the type of art style it's the same art style because he's he's a different looking kid and the cat looks different but it's it's clearly calvin and hobbs right and so the idea is he's a detective and i don't think they necessarily say what city was i think it might be new york but a detective in a big city and his partner's the cat but on the partner's just a stuffed animal he has in the car next to him and basically whatever the cat does he's doing it's just he's he's broken part of his psychosis over time where he thinks that the cat's still real right so he's had traumatic uh experiences as a child that led to his his broken psychosis to make him think as if the cat's still real. Um, he had, and, and that type of stuff has led to the type of character he is and the decisions he makes. But basically the idea is a girl that he knew when he was a kid is found dead. She used to be his girlfriend and he's trying to get to the bottom of the killing. And the killing is kind of centered around drug pushing around the school she was a teacher around the school she was working at and so he's trying to figure out who's pushing the drugs in the school and who got her killed meanwhile uh he finds out that she has a daughter and has to basically uh i guess save her from this situation and the whole time him and his uh fun loving well not so much fun loving uh gritty sidekick panther uh is basically uh uh, trying to uh, solve the crime and the art's wonderful between the flashbacks from when he's a kid to the present day stuff where he's just a normal detective the flashbacks is amazing immediately when i saw him like it's calvin and hobbs and it looks so good and then when they go to like the future stuff or the present stuff it's a really great design the coloring's fantastic the art's great. Sometimes when they're, you can tell they're kind of like uh, trying to get through the panels pretty quick, or they're small panels. The detail isn't there, but when you get like these big splashes and stuff, it's fantastic. Um, and so basically, it's a gritty crime drama with a with reveals of the past that would be Calvin Hobbes, if Calvin Hobbes, I guess, took place in uh csi type of life you know how everything awful happens in csi like all these terrible things happen so like it's a really really fantastic book um it's only four issues uh and i just absolutely was so floored by this my friend goes you got to read it Uh, because i asked i talked to him about uh, god country i'm like have you read god country goes oh it's great i go yeah i love it he goes you got to read spencer and Locke." i go okay so I looked at him like this looks kind of interesting. I, I like a, a panther partner, but then it turns out he's not even real, and it's just like this is this is great. So highly highly suggest you read it. Um, and it might even be up your alley. There's no fantastical. There's no fantastical nature at all with this. And not that you, I know you don't hate fantastical, but there is none. Is like clearly the things that the cat is doing, he's doing, 
but like in his mind the cat is doing it because it's like giving him the excuse to be able to do it you know so it's it's really really great so um i can't i can't praise this one enough so again this is spencer and Locke, written by david pose and art by jorge santiago jr pick it up i got on uh i got on comicsology for six bucks which is a pretty good deal because a normal comic is like $1.99 to $2.99. So you're getting four comics for six bucks. That's a pretty decent deal. And I don't think they have like a an actual trade of it yet. I'm not sure in the comic shops. But you can pick up the four trades probably pretty easily. Um, so pick that up whenever you can. And now it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. All right, the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast where Justin and I assign each other some sort of homework for the week, uh, usually a TV show or a game or a comic to read, something like that. Uh, and then on the next episode, we quiz each other to see if we completed said homework. Sometimes we pick things because we like them and we want other, you know, the other one to, uh, to also enjoy. Other times, much like this week, uh, we pick something because we want to punish them uh, so for sorry. reasons unknown. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go ahead and start this week. Justin assigned me the show, uh, <laughs> The Sniffer. Uh, okay. So, uh, the, the Russian sniffer, classic, The Sniffer. It's Ukrainian. Uh, it's produced and shot in Ukraine. Uh, it's in Russian. So, it's up on Netflix. Uh, it's created by Artyom Litvinenko. Oh, I don't care. Like, <laughs> Artyom Litvinenko. I don't care. <laughs> I hate your show. Like, I'm sorry, man. I just really, really do. Uh, so the premise of this show, okay, so you've seen like, you know, The Mentalist or uh, like House or Psych. Uh, yeah, these yeah CBS's of- best crime dramas. Yeah. Well, Psych was on USA and Psych is an amazing show, uh, but The Mentalist sucks. It was a ripoff. But anyway, uh, so The Sniffer is another one of those types of shows where it's taking a very unlikable lead uh, investigator uh, who has terrible interpersonal skills and is not a very nice person, but is a genius in some capacity or has some great skill that's going to help uh, the police force, the FBI, whatever other kind of uh, investigative unit they might be around, solve the various crimes uh, that they're investigating because they can't do it themselves. Now, with the sniffer, the specific ability uh, that the lead character has uh, is that they have a very uh, amazing and very sensitive sense of smell. Don't you wish uh, you had I'll... this ability? It'd be amazing. No, I don't. I think it's uh, I think it's awful. Uh, so yeah, that's the basic premise of the show. Uh, so in the first episode, and that's all that I watched. Normally, I watch the first two. <laughs> uh, I texted Justin and or I messaged him on Discord, and I said I watched the first episode, and I will not watch another. Uh, so I watched the first episode. So in the first episode, the lead character, the sniffer. Uh, he might have an actual name, uh, but I don't know it. And it's on IMDb, so I don't know. Uh, and he's played by Kirill Caro. Uh, and he is returning from Germany, from Berlin. Um, and he is in a, he's in an airport and he's like sniffing folk or whatever. And he gets on his, he gets on the plane and he smells this one guy who's coming onto the plane, who's got a cast and in his cast, uh there's some like c4 some explosive material so he smells the very specific uh materials that are used to do it and so he gets 
one of the uh, the flight attendants to come over, and he says, "I need to speak to your your pilot, uh, the pilot. There's a terrorist on board," and and she's like, "No, I'm not going to do that." But he's like, "No, no, no, no. There's a terrorist on board." And so rather than like notifying whatever kind of authorities that you would expect to notify, she goes and actually gets the pilot, which, you know, makes no sense, whatever. And it just kind of goes downhill from there. The pilot, and this is like the first 45 seconds, the pilot comes over and apparently the two of them recently had sex in the cockpit. uh, And the sniffer naturally can smell this. Okay. Sure. Yeah, but he was able to detect that they had done it twice. 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 Twice, I know. I don't exactly know how that works. I don't know. That wasn't ever really <laughs> explained. Maybe this. Maybe the <laughs> second uh, session it has a less, has a, a lower quality of of. I don't know. Uh, I have no <laughs> idea. I can make all sorts of horrible jokes right now, but this is a family podcast. Uh, so no, <laughs> it's really not a family podcast. But I'm still not going to do it. Anyway, uh, so he saves the day. Comes back uh, to his native uh, Ukraine. Uh, where a uh, a crime has been committed, a man has been murdered, and the 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 local police, uh, which is the main, I think the main his main touch point is Colonel Viktor Lebedev, uh, I think is his name, and that's kind of like his you know his main contact within the police police force uh, wants him to help, uh, and so he goes and he does his whole sniffy sniffy, uh, gives him a couple leads, and then he goes back to his house, his his apartment. Uh, he drives a orange Dodge Challenger, uh, and he parks uh, in a in a parking garage underneath the building where his home is. And there's literally not another car ever in that parking garage. It's always completely <laughs> empty. His is only is always the only car that's in that parking garage. What, and what do you dude, think is the general budget of each episode? Maybe I don't know, man. Three hundred dollars, like, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But like. So the guy never parks in the lines, by the way. He always parks over the lines, so you know he's a jackass. Also, like, they show him driving along on the road, and he's doing one of those, like, he's just driving over the middle of the line. Like, he's not driving between the lines. He's driving over the line the whole way. I'm like, you're just a jerk, man. I just don't like you. Because apparently, <laughs> just like House and these The rules of the road things, don't apply to you. Rules don't apply to him because he's such a genius and he's misunderstood, Right. Uh, so over the course of the episode, he does some investigation. Um, his, he's got a, he's got a family life. Like the premise on Netflix is that like his gift causes problems at home. His ex-wife, uh, who is awful. She's a very mean person. Uh, and he's got a teenage son who has been apparently smoking the ganja at his, uh, at his school and perhaps selling it. Uh, he goes to school, the the lead character, and clears his son's name. But his son is very upset because he made him look like a narc. Uh, the the ex wife is upset for reasons unknown, other than they just probably have a horrible relationship. Um, so he also goes to a uh, a specialist doctor, and he doesn't like going to specialist doctors because they always prescribe him like they always assign him the same thing, like a particular. Uh, he's got a like a particular kind of allergies. I can't remember the name of it. It starts with an R, like rhinitis, something like that. Um, and then they prescribe to him a specific uh, medication, and it never works. But this doctor is different. Uh, she actually has him do something else. It helps him because um, usually whenever he like it may, they made the kind of the implication that certain times he'll get sick and he has to kind of go in lockdown. So he'll just sort of uh, isolate himself, quarantine himself in his, in his apartment. And so he was about to do that. And that's why his cop friend hooked him up with this doctor and that allowed him to get back on the case and help. 
Uh, I don't even remember the details of the case. All I know is that at the end of it, uh, they played paintball. And uh, with and the rules of paintball that I've never seen. I never, it's the life. dumbest thing. They just like, they all crouch behind behind like walls and shot at each other. And, like, and then no when someone really gets hit, they strategy. stop the entire game. Right. And they walk off. I think I've seen that though. I've seen the whole, you've been hit, you got to raise your hand, you got to move out. I've seen that before. Yeah, but they don't but stop never, the game. I don't, I don't remember. It's been like 15 years since I played paintball. So, and then like when the cop friend comes over and makes the rest, he does so like in a way that honestly, if he had like a cam on it, like a, like a, like a vest cam, that dude's losing his job, man. <laughs> he's like, just before I kill you, I'm going to kill you, I'm gonna kill you, kill you, kill you. He keeps talking about how he's going to kill him. And I'm like, dude, like you're laying on top of him with a gun against his face. Like it is know. Ukraine. Then, though, so at the end, he's like, he's like, oh, what a good confession. You know, whatever. Uh, what do I think of the show? This is Serious here. Serious talk. The worst show I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> I did I, it. I did it. I have never watched anything that I have. I found the show. Television. I hated this show so much for so many reasons, many of which I've alluded to within my summary of it. But it was so terrible. Like, also, it's like I got a pretty chauvinistic vibe from the show. Uh, there's very few women. It's Ukraine. Like, the, the women in the show uh are are very mean or they're just there to kind of ogle at like like there's this one scene where the doctor friend is like is doing something that he would honestly get fired for 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 many human resources department he's on the phone with the sniffer and he's looking through the this like bookshelf so he can watch another woman in the department bend over at a desk and it's just like the most uncomfortable thing and like he's just such a goofy and he's like trying to eat and he gets he gets food on his shirt and stuff um, there's like never anybody around. Like, I don't know where this stuff is set. Like there's just nothing ever there. It made me really appreciate like the kind of NYPD blue, like, uh, like helicopter shots of the city or, or, or the establishing shots of like the street in which the crime takes place. Cause none of that actually happens in the show. And I, I didn't realize until I started watching it in the show, like how actually important those types this of little is establishing science room are. where we do science. This is a garage where right. we park cars. This is <laughs> where we play paintball in the abandoned factory from 17 years ago. Sure, whatever. Yeah. So the other reasons I hate it is because the lead character is terrible. Uh, not because the actor's terrible, because I've never seen him in anything else. Uh, but like, I don't even get it. Like he's like sniffing, and like they do this visual mock-up of like he can see the fumes or something. So like we can see what he's sniffing. Like and like ghost. when he's examining the crime scene, he like sniffs something. And it's like, we're watching the fumes shape into the actual people who are involved in the killing and move around the room. And I'm like, no, that's not what smell does. Like, I know, like, that's not how that works. <laughs> I felt like I was watching like a video game and I'm like, press X to recreate the scene. Like I'm, well, I'm playing humans again or something like that. Like, or, uh, or Detroit become human, whatever that was called. So like, oh man, like I did not like it. It was it was really bad. I couldn't watch a second episode. Like maybe the second, maybe it gets better in the second episode, and I'm it missing doesn't. out. It doesn't. I didn't, I didn't care for it. So, so I'm gonna fail the quiz. Totally oh, you're absolutely gonna it. fail it. It's fine. Yeah, totally fine with it. I'm just glad. I think I finally won. I won this uh, this whole gentleman's challenge. Thing. I finally won. Well, you still have to actually pass your quiz. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. First question is: How does he suppress his abilities? He takes these little plastic uh, nostril plugs that he keeps in like contact case type of things, and he shoves them up his nose. That's very, that's very good. That is one yeah. point for you. Okay. <laughs> nose plugs. All right. He's got tons of them. He's got tons of them. Yeah. All right. 
Next question. Why did, or how did, oh, sorry, no, no. Why did the first killer poison his target? Why did he poison him? What was the reasoning as to why he did it? Hmm. I don't recall with that poison thing. This is one who's been, this is one who was under duress from that cop friend of his who threatened to murder him about three or four times. Right. At that point I had totally checked out. At this point your your oh, eyes have man. rolled so far back in your head. You I honestly I, I I mean I remember the scene, but all I remember is it's like how, why is the cop being so aggressive and threatening <laughs> right there? So like, why is that happening? That seems so excessive. Uh, I don't recall the specific. Uh, the target owed him five hundred thousand rubles or dollars. I don't know. I'm assuming dollars. He owed me five hundred thousand dollars. That's why. <laughs> okay. All right. So I got that one. Right. I'm sorry. I got that one wrong. I'm sorry. The no, third question comes from the second episode. Um, so you're probably it wrong. But uh, what was special about the napkin that he was smelling? Well, what was on the napkin that he was smelling that was so unique about that napkin? lipstick it was artificial stone i'm sorry so close so close i took Uh, a shot (laughs) i took a shot somehow he was able to smell a burned (laughs) napkin he was he he put it through like a a centrifuge and so there was like a in the second episode there was a five to ten minute scene where he takes a napkin cuts up first off he he wafts it under his nose just right he's like oh something there and then he cuts off a piece Puts in like a centrifuge, dilutes a little bit, figures out what's going on, and then randomly has vials of things next to him that he's sniffing. Just random vials. And mm-hmm. the vials just happen to be what was on the napkin. And those vials were mm-hmm. filled with different types of stone. Because, of course, that'd be what you're looking for, right? The stone on the... Justin, completely different, different point here. I'm just kind of musing on something while you were talking. Did you really win this challenge? Because you ended up watching two episodes of this, and I haven't watched uh, one. I so who really through, lost? I, I skipped through two episodes. That's different. <laughs> That's okay. You still went to two, though. You still went to two. All right. What else you got? All right. Last question. Uh, or was it? Was it uh, I don't know. Is there give? Is there any way, or give give me one way? That this show that the show could be more Eastern European. What is the show <laughs> missing that can make it more Eastern European? And if there is one correct answer. If everybody had to wear those babushka hats or whatever the heck they're called, I'm not sure. Like those like furry tall hats uh, that like like classic Soviet soldiers used to have to wear. If like that's what all like the cops had to wear all over the place. Jeff, I'm sorry. Great. I'm sorry. The answer was more gold chains and tracksuits. I'm sorry. Oh, that's chains. just no. See, now you're just being serious. More gold chains that's, and that's track suits. insulting. I'm sorry. That yeah. was what. That's what I. I did a lot of research on this. It's what it was missing. <laughs> really? Really? More okay. gold chains and tracksuits and fades. I went, I more I went fades. elegant and classic. You just went uh, <laughs> low class apparently. So I'm anyway. sorry. You only got. One out of those four. I'm amazed uh, that I got one. That show is so bad. And also, it, it, it's so bad. Just like, it's I can't. Terrible. I'm like, I'm on, I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through IMDb and there's actually people who are writing like good things about it. And I'm telling you, those are Russian hackers. That's what that is. The Russian <laughs> hackers the getting news. into IMDb. They're laying down some really good stuff. Uh, that's all they are. They're just, it's troll farms. That's all it is. Terrible show. Awful. Anyway, I'll remember this. <laughs> what uh, what was your assignment for this week? 
Uh, you assigned me a Steam card game called Sentinel Sentinels of the Multiverse. Also um, on Android and also based upon an actual board game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which seems like it would be kind of fun. Uh, it's designed by Chris uh, Badrill, Adam uh, Ribotaro, Paul... Do you know how to read? Do, I, do, you, <laughs> do you practice these who names? Are you, who, are you you? who are you talking to right now? <laughs> Do you okay, know continue. who you're speaking to? Continue. The continue. answer to that is very clear. And then Paul Bender, Paul Bender. I'm so stupid. Paul Bender. <laughs> no, I okay. think it's Bender. 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 It's like six hours. Uh, six it's created hours. by Greater Than Games. This is who published it. Yes. So basically, I'm looking at the names, by the way, and they don't seem too difficult. No, they're Christopher tough. Bedell, they're tough. Paul Bender, Adam Ribataro, maybe. I'm not That's sure. That's the coolest like, name, though, Ribataro. That's the only one that should have like given you it, but like Paul Bender, like that is not something that you should be starting. Anyway, so this is a card game. Uh, basically, you are it's a cooperative card game for up to five people. Uh, the best way I can kind of equate it, it's like Munchkins mixed with magic, kind of. What? Because like this is not like Munchkin. Yeah, because there's there's, there's a boss, there's a villain, right? And you so. You can have up to five people play with you, and the game. Right, but it's cooperative. Munchkin's not cooperative. It kind of is. Just no, trying, Munchkin's trying... not cooperative. The whole point of Munchkin is to screw the other player over because they can't get. But you can be. Win. Say it's my wife, and I have to be nice. Anyways, so no, uh, you wouldn't do that, and or no one else will play with you because you're king making and you're playing favorites, and no one likes that kind of stuff at a table. Anyways, uh, in the game on Steam, you have four heroes, and these are the heroes. Um, I wrote them all down. And I'll tell you okay. which one. I, I want you to guess which one's my favorite ones all done. There's okay. Legacy, who's kind of like a Superman-esque type of character. Mm -hmm. Absolute Zero, which is like a Iceman. Uh, Wraith, uh, she's kind of like an assassin. Tachyon's a speedster. Bunker is a robot, a sentinel type of thing. Haka is like a Samoan warrior. Fanatic is, she kind of looks like Kale from... Uh, League of Legends, um, just like an angel-esque person. Uh, vis uh, Visionary, who is a, a, a mind ability hero. Ra, who's uh, Egyptian fire-based. And Tempest, who is he's like an alien, but he has the power of lightning and stuff like that. So who do you think was my favorite of all of them? If you had to guess. Uh, Haka, the Samoan dude. You are absolutely right, sir. Uh, of course I love Haka. I wish I was Samoan. That way me being big and fat would make any sense. So there's that. Uh, I did enjoy Haka. I wasn't a huge fan of his abilities. I liked Wraith's abilities the most, but I liked Haka's design. I thought it was cool. So basically it works like this. You have... Uh, you play with four heroes. There's a villain. The villains are... Uh, uh, Centurion Dawn... Baron Blade, Grand Warlord, and Omnitron. I only when I played, I played against random, so I put like random buttons. So like you can like set up your teams and your villains, but I just made it do it random for me. And so because it was random, I only got Baron Blade every time, which is weird. Just the the chances of it. Um, and basically mm -hmm. the idea is, you every turn they get an ability, you get an ability, and there's also an environment. Depending on where you're at, depends on the environment. So the environments you can have. It's Isula 
Primas, which is like dinosaurs and volcanoes. Uh, Megapolis, which is like shootouts and runaway trains. Um, uh, Ruins of Atlantis has krakens and different stuff that's underwater. And the Wagner base is like the villain's base. So every turn, villain goes first and the heroes go. So the villains have abilities. These abilities can be like permanents that are on the field that can help them attack. Or there can be like uh, one-time uses. And basically, you have a set health. The villain has a set health. And your job is to try and destroy the villain with your different one-time abilities, permanents, and stuff like that to try and do it. It's very... Very, very, remi- very much like magic. It reminds me a lot of the magic components of like you have every turn you get like one action. You can you can put in one card, and then like there's a power up, and like you have a life base. They have a life base, and you're trying to uh, eliminate cards and eliminate them as a character. There's a lot of draw two, discard one, that type of stuff. Where I know it's pretty commonplace on card games, but my main reference to a lot of card games is just Magic, because it's literally the only thing that you really normally play. Better Pokemon, because I used to play when I was a kid. But, like, it was very Magic-esque, what I can say about that. Um, I thought it was interesting. The video game seemed kind of... It almost looks like a Flash game. That's how it kind of looks. I, I understand the art design of it. It's supposed to be like a comic book. And I know it's supposed to be a actual card game. And I saw... I watched a video online of the actual card game. And I thought I think that the actual card game's better. Um, like, the way it looks. Like, like the physical? Yeah, like, I think it's better... I don't understand, by the way, the whole Flash thing. What, what, what do you mean by that? Like, What do you mean, Flash thing? What do you mean by, like, Flash game? It reminds you of a Flash game. It just what looks... It kind of reminds me of something like a cool math games and stuff like that. It just seems not as, I don't know, as uh, I know I I know it's like trying to be like a comic book type thing. It just doesn't seem as clean as some other games are. It's know. pretty busy, but like I do think it's high quality. It looks good and it's and it's responsive. So I just think the art looked better on cards and stuff, not as like the 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 interface of the game. The, mm-hmm. the game's fun. Um, once I got the handle of what's going on, it's tough. It's not an easy game. It's it's tough. And the thing that made me most annoyed was like, all right, I beat the villain. I beat Baron Blade. And then he comes up with a second form. I'm like, what? I was like, this? What? I was like, come on. I was like, I thought I was out of this. And then I died. And I played again. And I died again. It was It's tough. It's not a super easy game. But, like, I do like... How you kind of plan with what you do and how permanents mean a lot of stuff and how you kind of like work through your characters. I like all the different types of characters and how they work. The uh, fanatic like hurts herself to deal damage, which I think is really interesting and cool. Kind of reminds me of like a warlock deck from Hearthstone or kind of like a uh, a black deck from, from Magic and stuff like that. Kind of using detriment to yourself to for victory. So I, I, th- I think it's kind of interesting. Um, I liked it. Um, I kind of really want to play the physical game. Because I think that'd be really fun with friends. Because it's, it's, it's kind of like, if you had you, and if you had a villain, and you had a bunch of friends working together to kill that villain, I think that'd be really, really fun. But with me just by myself, managing these four heroes, it's okay. 
but I think it'd be really fun working with four people. Plus, there's like there's what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different characters. So there's a lot of like in the base game, yeah, in the yeah, base game. and there's, and there's, there's multiple expansions. That's all. There's, there's of a ton of expansions for this so, game. Too. So I think there's it's really cool if like like if with your when you're with friends working with different things together because that matters too, like different combinations because they can the heroes can interact with each other. And even when heroes die, they have support abilities to help interact still. So I think there's a lot of really cool stuff with it. But I think as a solo game, like you said earlier, solo games are getting better, bigger now. But I think mm-hmm. that this isn't one of those that really excels as a solo. I think if it was me and three of my friends, this would be really, really fun. Because it's like, okay, here's the villain. Let's get rid of the villain. Let's. I want to use the psionic one today. Or I want to use... Taka or uh, or Haka. I want to use the the uh, raw like that or whatever millions of other characters that they have. So I think that there's a lot of pluses to it, but my only negative is I think it's kind of not great for solo. So I'd recommend it with a group, but by myself a little boring, I think, because I enjoy I enjoy interacting with others in these sure. types of games. So the one thing I will say about uh, the positives of playing this in the digital uh, form as opposed to the, the physical forms of the physical version, it's gotten kind of fiddly. Like there's a lot of different moving parts that you have to keep track of floating modifiers, uh, like getting a plus from this thing over here, but a minus from that yeah. thing over here, but the plus thing, which the digital is, version really does, which uh, does it for you. So it does a lot yeah. of the bookkeeping for you, which is a really nice thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I think that's because it'll be like benefits. you're hitting for two plus one plus one or like mm-hmm. you're being hit for four minus two minus one stuff like that which is i could see that being a tremendous i feel like there'd be a lot of dice in the card game um involved but you know if from my perspective the only reason why i would say that unless there is a multiplayer concept on there that i would i didn't see that i didn't notice i could see this being kind of tiresome at a point by yourself i just think it'd be really fun to be with friends and like maybe like get into it too like mm-hmm. if, if i'm gonna be haka i'm gonna be doing like uh the maui Th- there is stuff. online multiplayer on the app but okay way. i I've, i have never played it i only play it solo but like there is online multiplayer and you can also buy the expansions for it as well uh so like you can get additional content so the additional expansions are kind of uh, expensive so i think they range from somewhere between like 15 and 25 bucks depending on what, what you're getting you get like a season pass type of deal uh, so it is. It is depending on which version. Like I have it on Android. I don't have it on Steam like you, but I have it. On I enjoyed Android. it. Though. It was right up my alley. Like superheroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's what I figured. And magic yeah, I was trying to be nice game. to you this week, and you were <laughs> you were ripping my heart out. It's the same stop. exact thing. We did the same exact thing with right. each other. Sure. I gave you a great Absolutely. TV show. You ready for your quiz? I am probably still gonna lose, but sure. I have good news and bad news. Okay. Uh, good news, you got a question right already. Ooh. Uh, bad news, you got a question wrong already. How? how? Uh, so you li- well, t- one of my questions was, "What are the four environments in the in the base game?" And you listed all of them. Excellent job. Insula Primalis, uh, Megalopolis, Mega Megalopolis, or Megalopolis, something like Megal- that. Megalopolis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ruins of Atlantis and Wagner Mars Base. You got all four uh-huh, of those. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I also wanted you to list the names of the villains, and you listed one of those names incorrectly. You said it was Centurion Dawn, but it was actually Citizen Dawn. Sorry. My so, handwriting is terrible. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, okay, Can I so, get partial credit? I only got three out of four. Uh, we'll see. Uh, of those, <laughs> after what you did for, to me this week, probably not. Uh, so, yeah, of the villains, 
Uh, which one of the villains is from Canada? Uh oh. This Grand Warlord? That is incorrect. It is Citizen oh. Dawn. Citizen Dawn. Because um, I was reading, I was also like reading, I went on the Wikipedia and I read like the, because I mm. wanted to make sure I had all the names right and everything, even though I can't sure. write them. You can get that right in the middle of the game too, by the way. There's like, you can actually access a lot of the uh, the list of characters and heroes and stuff like that. It's got some other stuff. Like, they have like all the backgrounds about. and stuff. Some of them are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Uh, what is the hand limit in the deck size in this game? Oh, no. That is incorrect. Because I, I had a pretty incorrect. full grip when I was playing this thing. Mm, yeah, so I had what a is lot the of cards in my hand. Hand limit? And what is the deck size? As Justin. So 40, 40 card decks? 40, 40 card, card deck is correct. Yeah. He, he, his Google is strong. No, 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 no. No, you'd hear the clicks. Google is strong. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think. It. Hand size. I never had to discard. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Um, what is the hand limit? I'm gonna guess, number, sir. It was four on the front. I seven. That is incorrect. The correct answer is there is no hand limit. Oh God! So come on, that's a tricky three sixties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, uh, so you have gotten one correct. Okay. <laughs> one of four. I was like uh, thinking. I was thinking. Did I? I was wondering if there was like a discard step. Sorry, apparently one not. Of four. <laughs> you just you just can't win. You just can't seem to win. It's a shame. I, just, I can't. Well, it's a shame. I think I did win this week. So no, I think you lost because you watched two episodes of The Sniffer <laughs> and I watched one. So. <laughs> All right, new challenges. Uh, I got one for you. It's time sensitive. I've been waiting for this. Steam summer sales going on, uh, okay. and I have been finishing up my trilogy. So the trilogy that I'm working on right now are. Um, video game board games so basically games that you can play either on android or on steam or something like that that are either based off an existing board game or are basically board games so anti-hero for instance is a board game it's not a it's not like a physical board game in the real world but the company that actually designed it they designed it to, to with the idea of it being basically a digital board game and then sentinels of the multiverse is based off a, co- a cooperative card game that's been around for six seven eight years now so there's just a digital version of it. So in that vein, I would like you to play, and this is on sale on Steam Summer, on the Steam Summer sale right now for $6.79, Blood Bowl 2, which is based... Oh, Coder loves that game. Yes, I know, I know. So uh, this is based off of the, the long time, like Warhammer, uh, uh I would say miniature war game, but not, it's not really war. It's more like a sports game. It's basically all the different races uh, of Warhammer um, that are coming together uh, and they're on different teams and they're playing each other in a football kind of game, but it's not like pure football. They're like ripping each, you know, they're hurting each other you know, pretty bad. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's for you. So it's, it's combining your love of steam football uh, and murder and yeah. And hurting people, hurting people. Like you did to me this week by assigning me the sniffer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next uh, trilogy will be the worst thing you've uh, you thought <laughs> watching Solar Babies was rough. It Just wasn't me. that bad. And Krull. we're we're gonna go deeper than Krull. CBS summer movies TV shows were the worst for me. I'd say. What Zoo was so good. All right, what do you got for me? So my challenge for you, uh, I tried to find something that wasn't as torturous. As the sniffer that you might... Did you look really hard? 
uh, I looked like, real hard. How long did it take you? Did it take like a couple of days? <laughs> yeah, days. You didn't. You didn't just. You didn't just like pause the recording. Like no, definitely didn't take minutes. Look something up. You didn't. You didn't do that. That's not what happened. Uh, but I try to find something for you that you wouldn't it hate just, me for. Felt like that's kind of what just happened. But it hey, definitely is not, not what happened. Really, well, that's with the really magic strange. of it's, editing, you actually explained and said, <laughs> "Okay, buddy." <laughs> so you're gonna watch Godzilla: Planet of the Monsters. That's on Planet. Netflix. It's like a seems to be an anime movie it's a the art design is kind of like um it's like it's like a computer animated but like cell shaded almost kind of looks like like a mixture between anime and and cell shaded computer animated so it looks okay it's got 90 percent, so maybe it's not terrible so there's that so yeah so godzilla planet of the monsters that's your challenge my friend got it and on that note, it's time to close the sucker down. Uh, you can get us up on the old interwebs at lollygaggerco.com, L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R-C-O.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at lollygaggerco. Interact with me. Justin's got his own Twitter handle. He pops in from time to time as well. Uh, if you have the time and the inclination, if you wouldn't mind, would you be so kind to head over to iTunes and uh, give us a little, little review? Helps us out. Give us some exposure. Uh, maybe help us rope in a few uh, new listeners here and there. Uh, but you can also find us up on Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher and whatever other services that you use to find your podcasts. Uh, Justin is in the prime time of his summer streaming campaign. Uh, so, Justin, where can they find you on Twitch? Uh, by prime time, you mean I haven't done it in a week because I went to a football camp. But, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. I'm on uh, twitch.tv slash jehufas, J-E-H-O-O-F-A-H. Um, I'm trying to get through Alien Isolation. Uh, but again, tomorrow I'm going to Disney World. Tuesday I'm going to Disney World. So, Nobody cares about your personal life. Yeah, okay? so it's, just, it's just hard for me to get on there the way I want to. Right. Um, so Alien Isolation, Doki Doki Literature Club, and uh, other fun stuff. A lot of Rainbow Six Siege, so that's what's going on, so... Check me out on there. And finally, I think we should say thank you to the folks that made this episode happen. Are you ready, Justin? Oh, yeah. All right. First, thank you to the two little children in the Jurassic World showing who kept running up and down the stairs over and over and over. And I was on an aisle seat. Uh, and especially to the parents that just let them do it without telling them to, you know, stop uh, annoying everybody else in the movie theater. Uh, you're the real heroes. Thank you. To the parent of a football player at the camp I went to this week, who clearly knows nothing about football and just would not stop talking to me, I want to thank you for making those minutes in the hot sun go by even slower. So, thank you so much. This thank you goes out to David Caruso and all of the CSI and NCIS shows. Listen, I don't, I don't really care for your shows, like not even a little bit. Uh, I find them derivative and boring, but. At least you're not the sniffer. So, thank you. Finally, I want to thank Publix. Because uh, I spent a lot of time there this week because of the camp stuff. And you're just wonderful. Your subs are great. Your Caesar salads are fantastic. I don't think there's anything wrong with you at all, Publix. They really do have good subs. They're so good. Thank you, subs. Mm -hmm. Thank you, subs. <laughs>